All right. So, uh, welcome everybody back. Number one, uh, after I uh, took, a, I guess, an extended uh, vacation. I'm sure you can see I look all rested and ready to go. Uh, it was uh, it was worthwhile. Um, so we said before we uh, took the the break that maybe what we we're going to do is we're going to do a series on chinuch. Uh, I decided to uh, believe it or not, procrastinate, push that off till uh, till a later time, and uh, we'll do that probably after the Amun Tovin. Uh, in the meantime, there's this piece which uh, one of my son, my son Yechiel, actually uh, pointed my attention to. He said that it was a uh, a, a great uh, essay essay by Rav Shimshin David Pincus. Rav Shimshin David Pincus was somebody who was a uh, a very big Tamil Chacham, a very uh, great uh, thinker. Somebody who was one of those who had just this uh, this knack for being able to take complex ideas and explain them very simply, and uh, you know he was not as well known during his lifetime. He di- he died tragically in a car accident. I think him, his wife, and one of his uh, one of his uh, his children. But he spoke so often and he wrote so much that they put out uh, you know a good twenty svarim or so posthumously of stuff which are based on his uh, his teachings and whatnot. So this is something which I think he wrote during his uh, his lifetime. It was originally the introduction to a sefer, and the uh, the publisher said that they got such a strong review of this piece that they decided to publish it as its own independent little kuntras, its own independent uh, um, uh, a pamphlet of about the ten pages or so. Fortunately for us, who our uh, our eyes are getting older, so that means that it's large print. It's a large font, so that means we'll be able to uh, to read it uh, easily. But uh, you will see the beauty of his thought process, uh, the clarity of his thought process, and as I said, his uh, his capacity, his gift to be able to take complex ideas and present them in a way which is easy to understand and motivating and ex- and inspiring at the same time. Okay. So with all of that being said, so let's start the piece because I don't want to spend too much time uh, talking. I would much rather uh, make sure that we all see the uh, uh, see the piece. So it's there on the screen in front of you. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to assume that that's a yes. Dropped you guys down. Okay, so they called it uh, Tifarta Shel Torah. So this is going to be the beauty of Torah. And like we've done in the past, I'm not going to necessarily read every line, but those of you who are following uh, on the screen, the text on the screen, so you'll be able to see as I highlight those sections which I am going to read. So some paragraphs I'm going to read a little bit more. Sometimes I'm going to summarize outside, but he just explains it so beautifully that I I, I, I hesitate to summarize when he says it uh, much better than I do. But he begins with this idea that every safer, any work, any book which is written, so there's always going to be a purpose for that book. There's something the author is trying to achieve by writing down his thoughts. It may be, as he says, Chedushay Torah, maybe something to do on Shas, to clarify passages in Shas. It may be an attempt to go ahead and clarify a particular halacha. It may be stories. It doesn't make a difference. But it's impossible to go ahead and if you're going to, if you're going through the uh, the bookstore, so you're always going to want to know what is the topic, what is the subject of the book, book, what are the contents before you even open it up, and in a good uh, you know bookstore or a good library, so you know which section you want to go to, well the where they will have books on the topics that you're looking for, so that's not only true is when you as the reader are choosing a book that you expect that the book is going to stick to a particular topic. 
But he says, He says, certainly there's an expectation that the author himself, So there's no way that the author is going to become distracted in the writing of his own Sefer and forget what he's trying to accomplish. That's just not something which happens. So after the author knows what he's trying to accomplish. And therefore, somebody who's writing, for example, a Sefer on the Halachas of Shabbos, it's not possible that in the middle, that he'll accidentally write some uh, section or write a chapter about Korbanos. It's just out of place. You just wouldn't go ahead and put something which is completely out of the place in the middle of the Sefer. Because the author forget what he was what he was writing about. When your attention is focused on Hilchos Shabbos, so you should be attending, your attention should be fully on Hilchos Shabbos, and you wouldn't get distracted by other things. That's just not what happens. So he says, And the same thing should be true with any activity in which a person is going to engage, so the first thing you actually have to think about is, what am I trying to accomplish? What's my goal? In the education, from my education background, so this is what we call that the curriculum. So curriculum, and the structure of any curriculum always begins with what's the goal? What's the goal of the course? What's the goal of the school? And once we know what the final product should look like, then we could go ahead and map out the steps, how we're going to get from where we are today to the final product, whatever that's going to be. And you got to keep your eyes, you got to keep your focus on what the goal is. So as long as you know what your goal is, that's first, that's the first thing you need to figure out, right? You're going to go driving somewhere. Let's go driving. Where do you want to go? I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. So if you get in the car and you have no destination, there's no place for you to go. You get in the car, you don't even know, should I turn right or should I turn left? Should I go straight? You have no clue where you're going without a destination. So the first thing you have to establish is a destination, right? Everybody knows this from their GPS. You put in where you are now, you put in your destination, and then the computer figures out how to get from point A to point B, what exactly is going to be the route. But it can only do so because it has a destination that it's going towards. Once you have that destination, then then you could consider and begin to contemplate, okay, how am I going to reach my destination? How am I going to achieve that goal? And this is what's going to be the most successful way that I'm going to go ahead and achieve that. So he says, as an example, he says, if a person is going to open up a store, so obviously the purpose of opening up a store is to make money. doesn't matter what you sell. If you sell socks or you sell food or you sell furniture, you sell cars, you sell computers, it doesn't matter what you sell. The goal of the store is to be profitable, to make money. And then over the course of your time in the store, so the, the storekeeper, the store owner may say to himself, you know what, I think I made a mistake. I didn't take into account when I was setting my, up my business plan, I didn't take into account sufficiently the uh, competition in this particular area that I was going to face of, uh, of, uh, of selling this item in my bakery. So I didn't realize that the other bakery was going to be such stiff competition and they're giving away free cookies and I'm not. And as a result of that, so I don't have customers. So that's something that the storekeeper may overlook 
the how heated the competition is going to be. But there's no way the storekeeper is ever going to go ahead and wake up one morning and say, Taisi, you know what? I made a mistake. I thought my job over here in my little corner, Makolet, was to go ahead and distribute bread and bread and milk. I thought that was my job. My job is to give away milk and bread. And I completely forgot that I was supposed to try and make money. Right? So if you have a storekeeper who's buying and selling the milk, the, the same price that he buys it for is what he sells it for. So it, it, there's no way that that's going to happen. He never forgets that he's trying to make money in the process. He doesn't think that he's a gamach who's just giving away the stuff for free. That he would never forget. He can make mistakes in terms of how he's going to make money, how much money he's going to make. That would be an understandable mistake for error for him to make. But he's never going to lose track of the fact that ultimately what he's trying to do is he's trying to make money. Shes etzim hamahus lo shochim lolam. Because the essence of your pursuit, that's never forgotten. That a person never goes at and loses track of. Then he says, and he, he, he's going to use this example very specifically because he's going to build on it. And this is a, a, a concept which is really rooted in the Torah. He says the same thing. He says, when, it, when a couple gets married, so they agree to be partners in marriage. That's what it is. And there's usually two agreements which they go ahead and they go through. Um, that's a, one is what we call tanayim. By us, uh, Litvak. So we go ahead and we do that at the chuppah, before the chuppah, really. By Hasidim, they still go ahead and do it at the time that the couple initially gets uh, engaged. But there's the Tanaim and there's the, the Ksuva. What's the difference between the Tanaim and the Ksuva? So it explains. So the Tanaim, that is a clarification of what the transaction is or what the, the agreement is between them. What's the agreement that's spelled out? Shayisa osa Lisha, that this man is going to marry this woman, that this couple is going to get married. That's all the Tanaim says is they are going to get married. And that they should live together with love and affection, God willing. Now, once they know what the goal is, they're going to get married and they're going to live happily. So then once we know what the goal is to live happily, then we put the ksuva in place. And the ksuva goes in and lays out, it details what those obligations are. That he, the husband has an obligation to support her and to honor her in the normal way that the Jewish husbands go ahead and do so. Those are the details of how the goal is going to be achieved. But the goal is very clear. The goal is that they're going to live, they're going to live with love and affection with one another. Now he says, he points out, using this, this idea of what's forgettable in a relationship and what's not, it's possible a person may go ahead and make a mistake, and he may uh, forget. Um, so he may forget some of his ksuva obligations. He may forget he's supposed to buy her a dress for Yantif. He may forget when he's supposed to buy her a new piece of jewelry. There's all sorts of things which he may forget about what he should be doing for his wife. But there's no way, at least in a healthy relationship, that the husband is going to wake up one day and say, You know what? I forgot she's my wife. 
I thought she's somebody who cooks and she's somebody who does laundry and irons the clothing. And I thought that she is just providing uh, services in the house. There's no way. Why? Because the essential part of the relationship, the real, the definition of the relationship, what the relationship is, that's not something which is a forgettable item. How to do that, you could forget. But what you're trying to accomplish, the main goal, there's no way that anybody is going to go ahead and ever forget what that is. And that's just absurd. Okay, so now he says, after we give these examples, so now we have to think, So if everything which exists, every relationship which exists, there's the essential goal, the essential pursuit of what we are after, so now we have to ask ourselves that question. This is why this is so important, especially now before Rosh Hashanah, as we begin to make a sort of chesh ben hanefesh as far as what our goals are in life and whether our life goals are aligning with our behavior currently. So we have to ask ourselves that question, what is the essential goal of Torah in Judaism? Mahi, what exactly is that? What is the goal of what we're trying to accomplish as religious Jews? Shahari mitzvah atarim prate alachos because the mitzvahs of the Torah, those are the specific behaviors which are expected within the relationship, but they're not the relationship itself. We cannot define Torah in Yiddishkeit by the mitzvahs which we do. The mitzvahs that which we do are the means to allow us to be able to achieve that goal. But we need to know what the goal is, just following instructions without knowing what the goal is. So that is something which is... Uh, which could be very uh, disconcerting because you don't know whether you're on the path to be able to achieve that or not. Because the mitzvahs of the Torah, the Tariyag mitzvahs, are similar to the obligations that a man has towards his wife, which are spelled out in the Ksuva. But we want a more general, broad question. What is the purpose of life? What is the purpose of what we're trying to accomplish within ourselves, within Yiddishkeit? And Rapinkas writes that this idea, what is the purpose of Judaism? This is a question that's essential for every Jew to know. This is the most important thing for everybody to know. What is the purpose of being Jewish? And this is something which is so important. He says, And although people may overlook, oh, I didn't do this mitzvah, I didn't do that mitzvah, I did something I wasn't supposed to do, whatever uh, whatever mitzvahs a person does or doesn't do, and whatever aveiras a person refrains from doing or does not refrain from doing, that has to do with the details in terms of the instructions. But in terms of the goal, we could never forget what the goal is of Yiddishkeit, of Judaism, that we're trying to achieve. And without knowing what that goal is, it makes it very difficult to be able to measure whether or not we're achieving success. Are we on our path or not? If you don't know what the destination is, then how do you know whether you're getting closer or getting further? Warmer, warmer, colder, colder, whatever, however you're going to go ahead and play, that only works if you know what you're after. But if you don't know what you're after, so how are you going to go ahead and, and, and achieve that? So he says, you know what? There's actually a parsha in the Torah which spells this out for us. And that is the introduction for Matan Torah. So this is in Parshas Yisro, where the Torah says, we'll read it quickly and we'll... Uh, um, um, we'll just pick it up from here. 
where we, we we have the background. So Hashem says to to Moshe, I want you to speak to the women and the men of Kaiso, and you should say to them, Atem You saw what I did to the Egyptians, and I lifted you up on the wings of eagles, and I brought you closer to me. And so this is HaKadosh Baruch Hu establishing the nature of the relationship. The nature of the relationship was, I went into Mitzrayim, I took you out, I protected you, and I brought you closer. And now, if you listen to my voice and you keep my covenant, and that's going to be an important phrase to get to remember, it's all about the covenant. And you'll be dedicated to me from all of the other nations from uh, of the land. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This is what you should speak to B'nai Yisrael. Okay? So this is this is now the call. This is now the goal, right? When we look at the curriculum, the first thing you need to know is what is the goal? That's usually that's how the uh, that's how the the uh, the opening paragraph of the curriculum is a description of what the goals are. So here explains the Pincus that Kan Pirit as Etzamusas Haiska Beinenu Leben Yisbarach, the Beinol Yisbarach. Sorry, he says here the Torah goes ahead and details for us what the goal of the relationship is, what is the destination, where are we headed, where are we trying to uh, to reach. And he says this is something the the content, the, the the meaning of this particular paragraph in terms of its description of what our destination in, is and what our goal is. It's this concept which we could never overlook, we can never forget, we can never get confused and think that we're trying to accomplish something else. This is what Judaism is all about. And now he says, uh, 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 just a fascinating observation. He says, he says in one sentence, he says that the essence of Judaism is Krisas Bris Imashamizbach. It's a covenant. Covenant, we're going to translate uh, generally as it's a relationship between Klal Yisrael as a nation and each individual in Klal Yisrael with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That is the goal. The, the goal is, that's the destination, is the Dveikas. And those of you from Shul know that I keep talking about this again and again, the importance of the Dveikas, because that is ultimately what it's about. Now he explains, Kashir no se Adam Isha. When a man marries a woman, when a couple gets married, Mahusa Kesher he creases bris. So the essence of the of the essence of what they create through marriage is they create a relationship. That's really what the marriage is about. It's defined by the relationship. He says it. He says it so well. He says Lo This is not an employment agreement. Marriage is not an employment agreement where I'm going to take care of these tasks and responsibilities. You're going to take care of these tasks and responsibilities. Somebody's got to take out the garbage. Somebody's got to shop. Somebody's got to go ahead and uh, you know drive carpool. Somebody's got to do whatever it is. It's not a division of labor. That she will go ahead and she will earn. And he's going to provide food. All of those things. He says, Misha Choshevkach. If somebody thinks that marriage is nothing more than a partnership agreement between two partners and how they're going to manage the tasks and responsibilities of the home, he says, pshita. He says, it's pashat, it's obvious, it's clear. She'en zu mahus ha'ishas klau. 
This has nothing at all to do with, with marriage. That's not what marriage is about. Marriage is not about a division of labor and a, uh, a division of responsibilities. So he says, Cain, Lingin, Matan Torah. This is where it gets beautiful. He says the same thing is true when it comes to Matan Torah. Misha Sover, Sheyeshkan Ubeinenu. Somebody thinks that the Torah is an employment agreement between God and the Jewish people, that God says, I need you to do X, Y, Z, P, D, Q, all of these things. So our job in the agreement is, we're going to do the mitzvahs, we will follow Tariyad mitzvahs. And in exchange for what we contribute, the mitzvahs, so Baruch Hu will give us life and provide us with our needs. He says, very powerful words, he says, this is the opposite of what the essence of Judaism is about. If somebody goes out and tries to distill Judaism into an employment agreement or a partnership agreement, I will do this for you and you're going to do this for me. I will follow your mitzvahs. I'll do the things you tell me to do. I won't do the things you don't tell me to do. And because I'm doing the mitzvahs, therefore I have the right to expect that you're going to provide me with life and you're going to provide me with all of my needs. So you've missed out entirely on the purpose of Yiddishkeit. That's not what Yiddishkeit is about in any way, shape, or form. He says, He says, this is not simply a, a, an incorrect distillation of what Judaism is. It, it corrupts our perception of what life is actually about. Because we have to ask, what is the purpose? Why does God have us here on earth? Right? We, we can think in general terms. God created the universe in order for mankind to go ahead and achieve um, some recognition of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But why am I here as an individual? What am I doing here on earth? What is my goal? What is my task? What's my destination? So he says, Yesh Sovrim, some people uh, think, mistakenly so, but some people think, that mankind exists in this world in order to live. That that is the purpose of life. The purpose of life is to live. Now, what if my purpose of life is to live? So then I say, So everybody wants to go ahead and they want to live a good and happy life. That's what many people think the goal of life is, is to live a good and happy life, to experience good, to achieve good, to to feel good, and to be happy. He says, now, part of this, the religious component of this, a person says, so how am I going to get that goodness and that happiness? That must come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Why? Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu owns everything. He's in charge of everything. And therefore, if I'm going to be able to tap into any of that good, it obviously has to come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So if he is the possessor, of all that is good and all that's going to make me happy. And I want him to share some of that with me. So obviously there's a prid quo. And I need to do something for him. So he does something for me. I scratch his back. He scratches my back. I do the mitzvahs. He gives me a good and happy life in a nice exchange. Valkane, and therefore, when I want to go ahead and I want to achieve a good life or I want something from God, the 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 uh, the, pasuk, uh, the, uh, the requirement is 
So this is a great motivator that people have. You have to go ahead and I'll study Torah and I'll do mitzvahs because if I study Torah and I do mitzvahs and I daven, then Akash Baruch Hu is going to give me what I want because that's the exchange rate. The exchange rate is I do Torah mitzvahs, he gives me good things, he makes me happy. And that's what people mistakenly think is the way the world is, is structured and the way uh, we interact with God. And that's how I'm going to be able to achieve all of those good things. So if I want somebody to have a refuah shlema, if I want somebody to have a shidduch, or if I want somebody to achieve happiness in the life, or I want things to uh, to go well for them, so what I need to do is I'll study more Torah, I'll do more mitzvahs. By making God happy, then he'll make me happy. I do something for him, he does something for me, a little something in the other hand, or something along those lines. And that way I'll be able to go ahead and I'll be able to get the things which I want. And he says once again, Somebody who has such a perspective and such an approach to life, if they think that that's what life is, is I do something for God, and in exchange, he's going to give me something back. He says, or Pincus writes, that this is the exact opposite of what Judaism is. This is not at all what Judaism is. It's not an exchange rate. In in, in idolatrous uh, perspectives, that's what they thought. You give a gift to the God and you'll get rain. You give a gift to the God and you'll get a, a, a good crop. There's all sorts of ways by which you're going to be able to achieve and be able to tap into the goodness which God is in possession of. I just need to, need to make him happy. And as long as I make him happy, he's going to make me happy. Rapinkus writes that this is absolutely not what Judaism is about. No way, shape, or form. Um, somebody who lives in this world, and they think that their purpose in this world, the reason why they were created, and the reason why they continue to exist, is so that they'll be able to eat, they'll be able to drink, they'll be able to be healthy. They'll be able to marry off their children and have lots of nachas from their kids. And if the person thinks that that's what they're trying to accomplish, and the way I'm going to achieve all of that, good food and good beverages, I'll be healthy and take nice vacations and drive nice cars and have a nice home, be able to stay cool when the temperature gets to 100 degrees and humid outside. So if a person thinks that that's all part of the, the equation, and the way I'm going to do that is Torah mitzvah, and even in the future. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to have a good life. I'm going to do this in order to have a good life, even in Om Haba. So this is similar. A person who adopts such a perspective, who thinks that this is the way the world runs, is similar to somebody who goes ahead and sits in a store, buys and sells merchandise. And he thinks his job, he thinks he's a salesman. So what's a salesman's job? I buy merchandise and I sell merchandise. So if I buy merchandise for $10 and I sell merchandise for $10, I've done my job as a, as a salesman because I bought merchandise and I sold merchandise. I, I couldn't do better than that. I actually sold out on my entire inventory. Everything which I bought, I sold all for the same thing. So somebody who adopts such a perspective and completely overlooks the fact that the whole purpose of being a salesman is to make a profit, is to turn a profit. It's not 
the action of buying and selling. Yes, that's how the salesman is going to profit. But his goal is not simply buying and selling, just the, the turnover of merchandise. It goes in one door of the store and it goes out another door of the store. And I've been a successful merchandise because I've sold everything. If you sell out everything, but you sold it all for cost, you're not going to win salesman of the year award. I can assure you of that because you entirely missed the point. The only goal of selling out all their merchandise is be, to be able to make a profit for the company. And if you lose sight of that, you sell everything at cost. So you've accomplished nothing. Shashachach, such a person has forgotten the entire essence of what he's trying to accomplish. And he says, this is similar to um, uh, the, the, uh, the essence uh, of Judaism is the covenant or the relationship which is created, the loving relationship which is created, between, which, which should be generated between you and God. So that, very powerful idea, that so that we could live together, you and God could live together, a joint life in love and affection. So he says, that's the purpose of what we're trying to do. And this is our function here on earth. Our goal in our destination is that is that connection to God. That is the goal, and that's the one thing we can never lose sight of, is the fact that what ultimately I want to achieve, and everything which I do has to be from that perspective. Is this going to lead me to a stronger, more loving relationship with God, or is this going to detract from that? So individual mitzvahs which I do, those are the details by which that love is going to be achieved, but life isn't about the mitzvahs themselves. The mitzvahs are merely a means to an end. And it's the end which we need to keep our focus and our attention on. It's the destination we need to make sure that we don't lose sight of in order to be able to achieve that. It's in this world that we're going to be able to achieve this great feat of closeness. And we could live a life together with God, with this devekas, this attachment and this connection to God. Barring a phrase, he says, this is the essence of mankind and nothing else exists beyond this. This is what life is about. So now at least we know what our destination is. We know that what we're trying to do is that the tanayim, as it were, in the relationship with God, the goal of, the, of a relationship with God, or the destination of Yiddishkeit, you shouldn't say the relationship, the destination of Yiddishkeit is to achieve closeness with God. How is that going to be done? That's going to be done through Torah and mitzvahs. But Torah and mitzvahs are not an exchange that we give God some Torah and mitzvahs, and he gives us goodies. He goes out and gives us a nice car, a nice home, nice vacation, nice, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a nice family. He gives us nachas because we've done good things. It's not an exchange rate. That's taking the tafel, that which is secondary, that was, is the means in trying to make that into the ikr, trying to make that into the primary pursuit. And that, we cannot lose sight of that. And now he says an even more fascinating thing. And that is, he says, Ure'ezepela. He says, let me point out to you something which is absolutely astonishing when you, when you think about it. When you go ahead and you review, as we will, all of the different uh, promises which HaKadosh Baruch Hu made to our ancestors, there is one thing which HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises again and again and again 
to our ancestors, and that is Havtachas Eretz Yisrael, the promise of living in Eretz Yisrael. And now he says, ipam shum Torah In the Torah, the Hakash Baruch, when he speaks to the Avos, when he speaks to Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, and he speaks to Torah Rivka Rachel he never talks to them at all about Go about Torah and mitzvahs. He never mentions it. He never mentions Har Sinai. He never mentions 613 mitzvahs. He never mentions Shas and 2711 Dapim. Daf Yomi doesn't mention any of those things at all. The only thing that Shakash Baruch Hu repeats again and again and again and again is we're going to be in Eretz Yisrael. I'm going to bring you to Eretz Yisrael. So now he says, and we're not going to read all of them, so we're going to try and jump our way through. He says in the first covenant, the Brisbane of Sarim. So the first time that Hashem makes a covenant with with Avram Avinu, he says, Nasati I'm going to give you this land. So there's a focus on the land. At the time that Kashbarhu gives the mitzvah of Brismila, Akashbarhu says, that I'm going to give to you and your descendants after you this land in which you're going to dwell. As Kol Eretz Kanan I'm going to give you the entire land of Canaan as an everlasting uh, inheritance. Then when he speaks to Yitzchak, he says, Gur Azos, you're going to live in this land. And that's a, uh, right. And then when he speaks to Yaakov, he says, I am the God of your uh, father. And he says, Ha'aretz, asher ale, the land which you're sleeping upon, I am going to give to you, uh, and it will be for your, your uh, descendants. When Akash Baruch Hu speaks to Moshe Rabbeinu, he says, uh, I'm going to bring you the goal of Yitzhak Mitzrayim is to bring you to the land which is good and expansive that flows with uh, milk and honey. Now he says, So Apika says, this is astonishing when you go ahead and you group all of these different examples together. Every time HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to tell somebody that things are going to be great, we're going to be a nation and everything is going to be great, we would expect him to talk about Torah and Mitzvahs and he never mentions Torah and Mitzvahs. All he keeps mentioning again and again is, we're going to live in Eretz Yisrael. And the question obviously is, How is it possible that he didn't mention even once what we would think to be the most important element of our existence, which is Torah? Since when is the main thing of our existence Eretz Yisrael? He says, he points out, We've been close to 2,000 years in exile without Eretz Yisrael, and yet we've still been attached to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So how could it be that our entire existence, our entire relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu revolves around Eretz Yisrael when we function, not so well because we were in exile, but we have functioned and we have connected with HaKadosh Baruch Hu over that time. V'ilu rega echad b'li Torah, and if the, we were to be one moment without Torah, our entire existence would unravel. So why is it that um, that the uh, the main thing which Hakadosh Baruch emphasizes is Eretz Yisrael? Eretz Yisrael would seem to be a secondary thing rather than the primary thing. And yet, without exception, every time Akash Baruch Hu talks about establishing a long-term relationship with somebody in their future descendants, the thing which is always mentioned is, and you'll be in the land, the land, the land, the land, the land. What's going on with the other land? You think that God was a Zionist or something? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> he is, but that's not the, the point. 
So what is he? So he says, we'll just do this paragraph and then we'll hold it for the uh, for the week. He says of Al Habir. He says the explanation is Pshita Pshita Shakola Brisva Keshu He says it's obvious, it's clear that the means by which we are going to establish this connection in this uh, attachment in the relationship with Akadosh Baruch Hu is going to be the Torah. The Torah is going to be the means by which we are going to achieve that connection and the attachment. Without the Torah, so we have nothing. But just like by a marriage. So it's, a, it's, it's so clear, his example. He says, So what do Hassan Kala say to each other as they're dating and they're engaged and as they're thinking about their future together? They say, Together we're going to build a home. Right? And we know that's what we wish of Hassan Kala. You should be Zochet to build a bias of Yisrael. So the whole purpose of marriage is that they should build a house, that they should have a house of 35, 50 by Arcadia. And once you've had, once you've built that house, so now you've achieved the goal of marriage is the fact that there is a house over there. The house isn't what the marriage is about. And it's obvious that if they share a home together, but and he looks at the Eastern wall and she's looking at the Western wall and they never see one another, but they happen to be in the same house. In Kanklum. So obviously that's not a marriage. There's no relationship over there. The Ibrahim isn't about the house per se, just because they share a house, they've now achieved their goal. So Kachim you be Eretz Yisrael. So too, if Kaiso were to be in Eretz Yisrael, Bli Torah, but they were to be there without the Torah, in Kan Mahusa Kesha, there is no relationship. The, the Eretz Yisrael is the place where the relationship is going to be found, is going to be expressed. That's where we're going to. The, the relationship is going to manif- manifest itself in Eretz Yisrael, but it's not that the relationship is Eretz Yisrael. You can't overlook that that's just a place the same way by Chasakawa. We want them to build a bias them of Yisrael, but it's not the building of the house, it's what they do in the house, which is really the most important thing. And had Hu just gone ahead and mentioned the Torah by itself, if you would mention that directly, so what would that do? Hayamashwa, that would imply So we might think that the relationship is not about closeness to God, and the means to achieve that closeness is Torah mitzvahs. We may have thought that the only part, the, the essence of the relationship is only Torah mitzvahs. And maybe because we would mis- that would mistakenly lead us to believe that the purpose of Torah mitzvahs is in order to achieve reward. So Kash Baruch says, you do this for me, and I'll do that for you. And again, you have that same exchange, you scratch my back, I scratch your back type of relationship. And we may, we may um, uh, minimize or distill Torah mitzvahs to be the only purpose of the relationship. It is a form of currency by which I'm going to get the things which I want. Or perhaps one may think that the one would mistakenly think that the essence of Torah is just because of the wisdom. Therefore, Therefore, Hu says, no, no, no. The purpose of, of Yiddishkeit is not Torah and mitzvahs per se. The purpose of Yiddishkeit is to achieve closeness, kirva, closeness, and Dveka's attachment or connection with God. That's what the goal is. And that we need a place where our relationship is going to exist. 
just like a chasan kawa, love conquers all, but you still need a place to, you know, you need a roof overhead, and you need a place to hang up your hat or shaitum. So too, so we, we in our relationship between Ka Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there needs to be a place where the relationship is going to exist, where it's going to thrive, that will be in Eretz Yisrael, but that's just the context in which the relationship is going to be found. But ultimately, it's all about the relationship. And that is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu kept promising the Avos every time he mentions to Avram two times, to Yitzchak, to Yaakov, to, uh, to, to Moshe Rabbeinu. The reason why he keeps mentioning Eretz Yisrael is because what he's really saying to them is the essence of what's going on is our relationship. Our relationship needs a context. It needs a place where the relationship is going to exist. It's going to thrive. That's going to happen in Eretz Yisrael. But ultimately, it's going to be about the relationship. That is the goal. And that's why Kosh Baruch Hu keeps mentioning that rather than Torah mitzvahs per se. Because as he's going to develop further, as we're going to see next week and beyond, that those are going to be the means by which we achieve the relationship. But it's never that the Torah and mitzvahs are the goal. They are the destination. The destination, the goal is ultimately the relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. All right, so we'll see a little bit more. He's going to bring this into the context of davening and saying brachas in this next paragraph, which is also uh, very exciting. So this was a good uh, beginning of this uh, particular piece. So we will hold this. Um, um,